Woo! Well, wasn't that an evening of NHL playoff hockey? Welcome back to Game Over Edmonton. It's your boys, Avery and Zach here, as you turn back to Edmonton, all squared at two games apiece as the Oilers knock off the LA Kings in overtime, five to four. Zach and myself are going to have all the breakdown. We're going to get into everything in the game. We're going to get into your comments, your complaints, your concerns, your thoughts on every bit of that game. But first, a word from my friends at Sports Interaction. Get in on the action and make your bet with Sports Interaction. Every hit, every shot, every goal. From all your favorite teams and players, with competitive odds, the best live in play, and more ways than ever to get into the game, like Minute Madness, or our, sorry, our exclusive game with so many opportunities to win by the minute. Download the app in Ontario, you can use the QR code you see at the bottom of your screen, or head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn to get started. 19 plus, and please play responsibly. All right, with that out of the way, like I said last time, Zach, how's your heart rate, buddy? <laughs> I am absolutely jacked. When the Edmonton Oilers go to overtime, I have it. I, I need to have it just in the back of my mind. I'm like, okay, you're going back to LA down 3-1 just for the sake of the show. Because with the, like, if, if I allow myself to believe and then I get hurt and then when we come on this show, I just can't think. My heart, I, I just feel depressed. I feel like my girlfriend just broke up with me. I feel abs, I just feel horrible, right? But... I, I just, I, the whole game, this whole game, I just didn't allow myself to believe. After that third period, I, I, I was restrained. I was already thinking about the offseason. I was physically and emotionally depressed. And the fight and the resilience and the absolute attitude and the pounding that the Oilers put on the Kings, their, their character came to the forefront. The best players in the world showed up, and they beat the Los Angeles Kings. They did to the Kings this game what the Kings did to the Oilers in game one and game three. The Oil this is probably the Oilers' worst game of the series if you look at the way they played through games one, two, and three. And the Oilers come away with the victory. How disheartening is that now the Kings have to get on a plane back to Edmonton and sit there and mope and know that they blew a three-goal lead. They had an and I want to also credit Wisecott remind me, but they had Jack Campbell in net who this season has been an emotional roller coaster. The entire province of Alberta was so down on him. And he comes in net. I'm sorry. I, I had no belief. I, I was so down. And I want to credit one guy in our chat who last game said, Jack's got to go in. Jack can do it. Because when he went in, he's that's immediately who I thought of. And Jack fucking did it. He got the overtime win. He made the saves and he had to. I, I, I don't even know where to start when you talk about this game. I think... I think we need a cool down because I, I like oh my god you could bottle my blood and sell it to like crack addicts like there's there's so much adrenaline right now I don't know where to start but I think Avery the best place to start with us is we go back we look at the we look at, at before the game right mm -hmm. you we're sitting here I'm in Calgary you're in Edmonton you hear Kevin Fiala is going to be in the lineup for the LA Kings what are, what's your immediate thoughts? Immediate thoughts are, ah, crap. Like, that's my immediate thought. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. him into the lineup is such a boost for the Kings, and we know that he had such a boost for them. And we, and we saw him get into the play in this first period. We saw him have a major impact immediately. So I was thinking to myself, this is going to be an even harder job 
than already is for the Oilers. You're already down the series. They bring back one of their top forwards. That's been a big piece of his cog all year long. So my thinking was, great. This is going to be possibly a game Edmonton gets absolutely sheltered. They don't show up in. But you know what? We saw this team. The first period wasn't great. We know the first period was garbage. But I would give the credit in the world. The response in the second period, Zach, that is how you have to respond with potentially your season on the line. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I thought they were dead in the water after the first. I was depressed. Words cannot describe the emotional pit that I was feeling when the, when Kopitar scored that goal. And I didn't even think it was Stu's fault. So when we saw that uh, Jay Woodcroft made the decision to go with Jack Campbell in the second period, mm. I, at first, did not like it. What a move. That is one of those risky moves that either could sink you or make you fly. And what a momentum changer. And I'm sure we'll get into this goal whole goaltending talk a little little bit more in depth a little bit later in the show. Uh, but we have got a ton of stuff to talk about. The lead changes, the goal scores themselves, because some guys who were absent early on in the season um, made their presence felt and felt in very important ways with Evander Kane scoring the goal to tie it. And Zach Hyman obviously winning in an overtime. We had 70 people watching right now. Guys, we only got 15 likes. Smash that like button for both of us. One other thing I want to add before this, uh, before the stream ends, uh, we are raising money for the Alphabet Sports Collective throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Alphabet Sports Collective creates a safe and inclusive environment in hockey for all folks, uh, for folks of all sexual identities and gender expressions through education, community building, and mobilization. You can donate to the Alphabet Sports Collective in the link below and the link that you guys see floating in chat. So yeah, with that all being said, hit that like button. What's our like goal today? What was the final score? 5-4. Let's just make it. This is going to be a jacked up broadcast. I know there's going to be a ton of people watching it after. Let's say 154 likes for the 5-4 overtime win. Let's get it. Exactly. So tomorrow when I check back, let's see that. Dark Fighters in chat. Skinner, 727. Campbell, 964. And you know what? The goals that were scored on Stu early on, did you? was there anyone that you, you looked and you're like, oh, you got to have that one, man. You got to have that one. Because for me, I don't think there was. Maybe the 5-hole goal by Arvidsson. Maybe. Mm -hmm. But... That's one of those, like, you know, you got to credit the good shot. I think DeHarnay played that really weak, and I was very frustrated with Vincent DeHarnay, to say the least, after the 3-0 goal. But, yeah, man, uh, I'm just going to pass it off to you because I've been rambling like <laughs> uh, like a, like I'm on speed. So I just need to um, – so, yeah, let, let me ask you. What did you think of that Oilers' first period? What were your thoughts going into it after? How do you think they played? And, yeah, what were your thoughts with the first? Yeah, the first period, I just thought they came out just so flat. And that, that's the thing I mentioned off the top here. When you see that there's potential on the line, you have to get a split in Los Angeles to take you back to the road 2-2. Two, two. The, um, they weren't getting enough quality shots. They were, they looked, you mentioned Vincent Nate. He struggled badly. And, you know, I like the guy. He's a great personality. You know, I, like, I like his play in regular season. But it showed, once again, a guy who hasn't played many playoff games, getting lost out there a variety of times. And that was a major problem. But for me, the response in the second period where you saw Nugent Hopkins, Bouchard, Drysaddle take over, like there are certain players in the league who say, you know what, I'm not losing. Leon Drysaddle is one of those players in which if he's going to decide to win, his team is going to win. The response he had in the second period was the stuff of a leader right there. This Leon is one of those players that... Now, I don't want to say that he doesn't get enough credit, because again, I think within this market, 
every single person loves Leon Draisaitl. There's a ton of people who, if you ask them their favorite player on the Edmonton Oilers, they would just say it's Leon Draisaitl. Everyone loves Leon Draisaitl. If you ask a lot of people who watch the '80s Oilers, you know, I'm they're before my time, before your time. They mm. uh, there's a lot. If you've noticed, there's a lot of people who say. Oh, you asked him, what's your, what was your favorite other? They all say Mark Messier. Like, obviously everyone loves Wayne Gretzky, but there's that, there's something about Mark Messier. There's something about Leon Dreisaitl, just that leadership, that domination in the time that matters most. And Leon Dreisaitl, when the Edmonton Oilers need him, he shows up. Yes, Connor McDavid is the most explosive, most well-rounded, most balanced, most dominant hockey player who's ever played the game. Most evolved hockey player, as Bob Stoffer likes to say. But Leon Dreisaitl has this ability to take the team in moments that you, there's no one else. When no, when it looks like your back's against the wall, when you're down by a goal with a minute left to go in the third and in overtime, when you need him most, he always shows up. It doesn't matter. People call him lazy. People say he skates weird. People say he's slow. People say he doesn't care. He doesn't forecheck. He doesn't backcheck. But that doesn't matter because every single time the Oilers have needed him, he has shown up and he has made, not just shown up, but he's made his presence felt. He has been a nightmare for the LA Kings in this series. An absolute nightmare. They're overloading McDavid. They're playing McDavid like it's the NBA Finals and you got Fred Van Vliet box, running a box and one on Steph Curry, right? Like they're just <laughs> yep. overloading McDavid. And the thing, frankly, the Oilers' other top six members have not been able to carry the flak. Uh, coming into this game, there was a big criticism of Vander Kane. Done nothing. Zach Hyman looked like he couldn't stick handle the puck. And even in the th- up until the third period, I was still a little frustrated, to be honest with you, with Zach Hyman. I thought, I've been so impressed with the bottom six, but then beyond Hyman, you had Nugent Hopkins and then Yamamoto, who I noticed on Twitter from the mainstream guys was starting to get a little bit of um, flack and just in terms of like, how is he still getting a regular shift? Because Yamo wasn't hitting the net. He isn't able to bring the puck to the middle. He kind of is a big perimeter player. He's, I, I said this to Robert before the show, but he's kind of our Alex Kerfoot. You know what I mean? Just like he has the skills, but like, what do you actually do here? Kind of thing. What a momentum changer. The, the the way in which they won this game, the domination, the never-say-die attitude, this this team, man, just when you think they're out, just when the Kings exploit them, you know, like, beyond Vincent DeHarnay, so on the, so, sorry, I, and I, and I want to just say what's no, up. No worries, Zach. One thing we should do before we go and say what's up in chat uh, to, you know, MGD, Adam Firebear, Travis Saunder, of course, Wise Kyle, our Jack Campbell supporter from day one, MGD, David W., I never, I don't recognize Dan Nasham, so we'll get to your question in a bit. Eric Tanner, all the regulars are here. I love seeing you guys. It's so funny to look at the difference in chat when the Oilers win versus when they lose in the playoffs because we get all of Southern California seems to join our chat, and it's <laughs> just insane. So, yeah, let's let's. I think we should walk through uh, the the first three goals that the Kings scored and just kind of point out, um, just, just kind of figure out what happened and just analyze them a little bit. Because I think one of the big frustrations in the fan base is you watching uh-huh. that one nothing goal early. It was it, it was that third line for LA. It was that Bilardi, that Aya follow, and um, that brand new in the lineup, Kevin Fiala. Matchup Hell, yeah. nightmare for the Edmonton Oilers. That third line for LA uh, can dominate. Uh, and when they're on their game, they are really, really tough line to stop. They're all really skilled. They're all really shifty. They're all really strong defensive players. Um, so I, when I saw that, just like you, when you said, oh crap, when Kevin Fiala was in the lineup, <laughs> I, 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 my heart was pounding. I was not, 
I was not excited. But yeah, so that first goal, you have, uh, I think it was Gabe Velarde or one of Alex Seifel or Gabe Velarde completely out-muscles Vincent DeHarnay. It was on with Darnell Nurse. Nurse kind of, I think, had a little brain fart on the other side. And uh, Velarde ends up scoring. It's one nothing, And then it just kind of started crumbling down after that, right? You have Vinny completely walked by Arvidsson, snatched his soul there. Uh, left him in the shadow realm. Uh, walks in, scores five hole on Stu. Not, not the best goal by any means. And then, uh, then on the three nothing goal, your Cody CC right after the two nothing goal mm-hmm. to, to complete that momentum. It was it was just crashing and burning. Everything that was going wrong was could go wrong went wrong. Cody CC takes a stupid holding call on Kevin Fiala, and um, on the pan, on the penalty kill, uh, there's a, a mishap between DeHarnay and uh, and Darnell Nurse. They lose they lose their guy in front. Kopitar walks in alone, backhands on Skinner. Right. So, yeah, just just I, I had to go through all those goals because I that that killed me. I was like game series match. It's a wrap. It's over. Um, Going into the second, Jay Woodcroft goes to put in Jack Campbell. What, what did you honestly did you believe the Oilers could come back? Did you like the Campbell move? Tell me where your head was. at. You know, first of all, I didn't really think there was too much to blame. So if you're on a, like you mentioned earlier, like there weren't really goals. Like, ah, you got to have those. And I'm going to put a ton of blame on him. It was really more defensive mishaps in front of him that led to these goals. When I saw Campbell in, I figured, I, in my head, I'm thinking, Woodcroft must think this is going to change momentum to an extent. He doesn't want to see Skinner getting shelled because at that point in time, even though it wasn't his fault, it wasn't going well for Stuart Skinner. Just it was effective right there and then. So I, I see what Woodcroft was trying to think. Just throw something different at LA. Try to do something. And full credit Jack Campbell. He did make the saves when he had to. He did step up when called upon. Even though yes, he did let in. He did let in that one goal to make it a four-three game. But for the most part, he did make enough saves to keep Edmonton in this game because LA had their chances to extend that lead. They did have their chances back. Yeah, absolutely, they did. They they definitely did. And but but. The thing is, just like LA had their chances early on, right? Cody Cece hits a post. Connor McDavid mm-hmm. hits a, a post yes. in the power play. The Oilers had their chances. I think Corpus, not only did the refs and the penalties in the prior games kind of get into their head, I think Corpus Salo started to get into their head, right? they It seemed like they were holding on to pucks too long. When they started hitting posts, you saw that frustration just exponentially increase, right? And they just looked stuck. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to beat the LA defense, never mind how they were going to beat Corpus Salo because he was outstanding. And he's been outstanding in every single game. So to come in, you get an early power play in the second period. Evan Bouchard, the monster. Like, what? <laughs> like, I, I know that you knew. I know that, like, myself knew. Dennis knew. I knew that there was some. There was a segment of Oilers fans who always had the belief in Evan Bouchard. But mm-hmm. Evan Bouchard is making himself known to the hockey world as a number one defenseman. Nothing more. He is so dominant offensively. I, I, it is my, it's my belief he's the best shot on the Edmonton Oilers. He picks corners with ease at like 95 miles an hour he can take your head off he's so accurate and he's the guy who gets the Oilers back in the game you get the assist from Drysaddle McDavid and then within like within four minutes five on five the hero shows up the guy who puts the team on his back Leon Drysaddle from Connor McDavid and Zach Hyman right in front of the net lifts it straight up over Corpus Allo. beautiful goal nothing he could do like do you blame Corpus Allo for any of these goals? No, not at all. I mean, mm-hmm. those are great shots from Drysdale and then Bouchard again. Remember, mm-hmm. um, it's so it's so it's infuriating to see how much Dave Tippett 
didn't play Evan Bouchard, didn't trust him as his main D-man at the point or on the PP. It's like, dude, why are you holding back Evan Bouchard? Like you said, Zach, the whole hockey world is now seeing what Bouchard can do and how dynamic he is as a guy who can play that point so effectively. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tyson, ba- that Tyson Berry signing back in 1920, it was good for one year, but when they brought him back, that just messed up a lot of the Evan Bouchard development that could have ha- been had in that bubble season. But nevertheless, there was a good point that I saw in uh, in chat by Eno Chap. He said the Oilers are trying too hard to go upstairs on Corby. Go and get those greasy goals. Now, I think it's funny because every goal that the Oilers score, it does seem like like the you think back to the last game, you have the two McDavid goals in the power play. It's kind of right up in the exact same spot over Corpusell early on. You have Drysaddle right up over. Corpusell, the overtime winner by Hyman, right up over Corpusell. I think that's the game plan. Whatever Dustin Schwartz saw, that's what he kind of circled. Like those are Corpusell's weaknesses, and those are clearly trying to exploit it. Now they haven't done such a good job so far, but um, it, it's really interesting because I also think to your point about those greasy goals. I think that's one of the ways that we haven't seen uh, a player like Zach Hyman be really effective in the series because Zach Hyman. But, you know, in the regular season, like eight goals called back, right? He's always in the crease. Yes. He's always crashing and banging. And to have someone like that not be making an impact in the crease, I think that was one of the reasons why he was hurting the Oilers' offense, right? No, of, of course, totally. You mentioned the greasy goal. You know, I wrote for the Hockey News how Corpus Salo in Game 1 made 10 of 11 high-danger chance saves. And in Game 2, I think the other road, he made 11 of 13 high-danger chance saves. I mean, credit to him. In the high-danger zone, he's good at making those saves. You have to keep getting in his grill. You have to keep getting in those areas and making life rough. You can't keep the game on the perimeter, and you, you have to get in there eventually. You can't play in a perimeter game going forward. Now you have to get in there more often. Yeah, absolutely. I thought the I thought Hyman, um, even again, like I said before, going into overtime, I still like I I was like, come on, we need more from Zach Hyman. I know Evander Kane mm-hmm. was hurting going into the game, but like Hyman had eight, what 83, 84 points this season in what seventy seven games, like. It was it was really nerve wracking. And then one other thing that one other adjust one of the adjustments that Jay Woodcroft made is uh, with eleven minutes left to go, it seemed like after the three nothing goal, Deharnay was still getting regular shifts with Kulak. But once he was tied it uh, three two, where got it within three two, Deharnay did not see the ice again. Did not see the ice again. Do you did you like the adjustment by uh, Jay Woodcroft to go to Philip Roberg on the right side with Brett Kulak? Uh, they had to. I see got a few comments here uh, praising Broberg's play, and you know they had to go to Broberg because again, I mentioned it off the top here, Zach. There and you can tell the moment. I guess I would say the lights were a bit too bright. You see him struggling out there. Great adjustment. Philip Broberg had a heck of a game, and Brett Kulak, who doesn't get enough credit for how he's played so far. Those two steady things down on the back end when it looked like you were going to have another disaster in the back end from. From Dayarnay, who who had a hard time just figuring out where he really was in the ice because you couldn't have another king getting in behind him. Or we saw the Matt Roy goal. Mm-hmm. Matt Roy goal, we saw the yep. mishap on defensive. Like you can't have that happen again. Absolutely. But it's like yo, Bro- Broberg. Broberg and um, Kulak putting those two together. Great choice by James Croft. Absolutely. I thought this was Kulak's best game by far of the mm-hmm. series. It, was, it looked like he was everywhere. He was joining the rush. He was taking shots. He was skating. It looked like he was moving his legs faster. He just was everywhere. I thought Brett Kulak was phenomenal. And the thing about Philip Broberg on his right side, so in that 9 minutes and 48 seconds of 5-on-5 ice time that Philip Broberg played, uh, the Corsi, the Corsi 4 events were 14-4 and the LA Kings only got 4 in, in against, right? So he controlled 70 7% of the course while he was on the ice. Um, 
Just in, if you look at just the shots themselves, six shots for the Oilers, only two shots for the King of the Games in those 10 minutes when Broberg is on the ice. I think Broberg's speed and his ability to move the puck and the way he can transition it himself, he doesn't have to rely on, on his passing. Like you saw uh, mishaps of DeHarnay. It wasn't necessarily tonight, but earlier on in the series, DeHarnay had a turnover in the neutral zone where he was trying to skate the puck up himself, right? Yes. You put Philip Broberg in that situation who can skate significantly better than Vincent DeHarnay. It's a different play. He doesn't make that same turnover, right? I think they uh, against the way the Kings are playing, and now that they are playing an even more aggressive style, I think Philip Broberg is a much better option. Like you said, I asked you during the game, um, would you continue? Would you go to twelve and six, or would you continue to go eleven and seven? Would you send DeHarnay to the press box, or would you keep him uh, in for next game? Oh man, you know I do go. I do think you should go eleven and seven for a line matching in life in general. It works much better for Jay Woodcroft. That's been his bread and butter. So if you do have to send um, Vinny to the press box for the game five, I would do it. But eleven and seven in general, we've seen it be. It's like night and day when Jay runs eleven and seven and twelve and six. It's line matchup hell for opposing teams, especially LA when he goes that. I don't know why you would deviate and not go and go back twelve and six right now. Mm -hmm. No, I I agree with you. I think the thing is I would stay I when I talked to you earlier, you convinced me I would go eleven and seven, but I would flip the rules that DeHarnay and Broberg have been playing prior. Mm. I would use DeHarnay almost as a penalty kill specialist, right? You get him out there for his reach, his physicality, the way he can block a shot or two. But Five on five, when you need to speed and you need to break that one three one, you get Broberg out there with Kulak because I thought they excelled tonight. Now, obviously, because they are the third pair, you can still shelter them. The one guy who I know the Oilers won tonight, and you do hope does smarten up, is Darnell Nurse because uh, I, I know we're not at that goal yet because. Uh, we haven't mentioned that on the power play again late in the third period. Kind of similar to how the Kings killed the Oilers early on with those late goals that the Oilers just couldn't shut it down for the last 30 seconds. Leon Dreisaitl once again on the power play with like 30 seconds left. Kills the Kings. Tie game going into the third. It's a brand new game. Jack Campbell's in net and you have 20 minutes again to save your season. So yeah, I cannot say that I wasn't nervous at all. It was wild 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 game one thing that I, I we noticed this game they were definitely was a significant one year and i'll ask you this there was a significant emphasis by jay woodcroft to put Connor mcdavid and leon dressel together at five on five what did you think of that adjustment by the coach you know what at certain times i would say it, i would say putting the drying car together it's a good old-fashioned bring case of emergency and that situation you need a goal you mm-hmm. have to get those two together and so in certain times, call for, of course, you don't want to run McDavid and Dry all game long in the same line. But in certain situations, 5-1-5, go ahead and do it. That is a hard line to stop. But having both those guys on the ice mean you can you can stop you can stop those guys on separate lines. But when they're both the guys together, it's really, do we focus on McDavid or Dry something? You can't stop both. It's actually impossible. Well, you saw 5-on-5, five five, they burnt the Kings a number of times. I believe they were on the ice for the overtime game winner. Honestly, my vision was so foggy when Hyman scored. I shut off the TV, immediately ran in here and started getting the broadcast <laughs> going. So I believe they were. But I know 5-on-5 five five, um, for the uh, they're the second goal, at least, McDavid and mm-hmm. was on the ice. So so together, they were making an impact. And it was funny because Col- yes. Todd McClellan, I guess, chose to give Kopitar that matchup with McDry. And he, the funny thing is, yes... I think that matchup does you you are taking away the king's best center and making him focus solely on defensive efforts but yeah. the other thing that the, the way the kings benefit from that is and this matchup I don't like for the Oilers is you have that 
the, your secondary top six guys, you have your Nuge Kane Hyman, your Nuge Yamo Hyman, whoever you decide to throw out, uh, up against the Dano line. And they were tilting the ace against McDavid early on in the series. So when I saw them out against Nuge, especially Nuge who hasn't really played center for the last like 60 games, made me a little nervous to say the least. I don't know if I like that. I think that's something you can kind of get away from once you go back home. And you are going back home for game five. Time, mind blown. But um, so I, it's so crazy crazy to me that they actually won this game the fact they pulled this off this is the stuff of magic this is the turning point in a series and just like this game there was a there were multiple in the third period there were multiple things that could have been the turning point early on in the third darnell nurse goes to throw a hit takes himself completely out of the play leaves his partner back i can't even remember who it was to handle a two-on-one matt roy the defenseman rushes in kind of tucks uh-huh. it behind back campbell it was a nice goal uh obviously you can't blame campbell on that like to that point campbell no. been playing phenomenal when the kings went back up four three after there was a rally to go tie the game at three what were your thoughts i was watching that play and i was wondering like why is Arnold setting up to throw the hit in that situation Stay back with Roy coming up. Like, that was a, I mean, if you get, if, if, if the hit is thrown, and you separate Matt Roy from the puck, you know, it's a gamble. It's a risk reward play. And Darnell gambled badly on that. It didn't work out. But in that situation there, in a tie game, you can't take a risk like that. You mm-hmm. have to play it safe. Absolutely. You can't get risky like that. And Darnell did. And you know what? I hope Darnell shakes the one off. But I think he that will. was. They, like, well, yeah. they won the game, right? So the, it's one thing yeah. if they were going down 3-1, going back to Edmonton, Darnell sitting there on the plane like, it's my fault, blah, 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 whatever. But I think it's so much easier to let that kind of roll off your back. You're able to sit in video session. You're able to watch out yes. with their coach. You can... You, you you can see the mistake, you can learn from the mistake, but it doesn't necessarily have that same emotional impact that it would if you were to have lost the game. It's going to be a lot more relaxed. I definitely think the Kings, this was their opportunity. Like, you had a golden opportunity to put the Oilers back on their heels, and now you're headed back to Edmonton. So now the pressure, I think, shifts to the Kings. I know everyone's going to say, oh, the Oilers are the favorites, the Kings, no one expect them to do anything. There were a ton of people who picked the Kings to go to the Stanley Cup Finals, and the Kings are a very good hockey team. Like, that's the one thing that I was thinking. Because, again, when they were down 3-0 and I had lost all hope, what I was thinking, I'm like, you know, this is one of those series where the Oilers, like, you can't really ask them to play better. Like, there's in hockey, we always talk about, you know, PDO benders, shooting percentage benders, this and that. And it goes both ways, right? It wasn't going in for the Oilers. They were playing well. They were just not getting breaks. There was, you know, some refing stuff earlier on that a ton of people were talking about, myself included. And I wasn't necessarily upset with the way the Oilers were playing. It, it wasn't, it, it didn't, the way I felt didn't come anywhere close to the when the series they lost against Chicago or the series they lost against Winnipeg. Like this, I felt good about the way the Oilers were playing. So, and, and they just weren't getting the breaks. And this is a game where the Kings had the ball in their court and the Oilers got the breaks, right? Ball completely shifts. But again, for myself, and I know I keep getting ahead of myself because we're at, we're at, when we're, as we're talking through, we only got to the 4-3 goal. So, the, and the thing is, after that 4-3 goal, it's not like the Oilers went back to their second period ways and put 20 shots off, shots off on Corpus Allo, right? They were they were outshot 11-1 to at one point by the Kings in that third period. They were back on their heels. What were you thinking? Like, what, what was going through your mind? Ooh, you know, I'm just thinking right now that... One, this game, this game isn't over yet. And two, I'm thinking to myself, for this team, like they have to. Well, one second, I'm thinking to myself, they didn't get back in their heels. It was so important 
to change momentum because again you had what after that goal only two minutes left and then you have the Kane goal in which I look at things I'm thinking to myself Zach wow that is what he needs to get off the schneid because we've mentioned it before how Evander Kane had struggled badly in this series like he had taken that, that penalty in game two which was just bizarre but Everton to put pressure back on LA again with a tying goal I just thought to myself, here is where things will finally shift. Yeah. Even though we know the OT record, even though we, we know the OT record is awful in the David Drysaddle era, getting that goal was very important just to, to keep some hope for this team season, really. Yo, absolutely. That goal was so huge. I think Kane, I know he was injured in the game and they kept showing him wincing on the bench, but just, again, for yourself, when you know, I know they all look at the stat sheet, they all sit through the video sessions, he knows he mm. hasn't played as good as he's capable of, Hyman of knows he hasn't played as good as he's capable of, Nuge knows he hasn't played as good as he's capable of, so for Kane to be the guy that ties it, that that, that just adds to the swagger, that just adds, that boosts your ego, goes through the roof, you're feeling good, you're the team that came back, you go to overtime, and I cannot tell you, I was so damn nervous going to overtime so damn nervous what were they talking about the Oilers record is 2 and 10 in the 97 and 29 era with yes. uh McDavid and Dreisel in overtime but I liked what they pointed I can't remember if they pointed out on this broadcast or on the radio because sometimes as a homer I do like to listen to 630 Ched over the over the guys on there because you know I like my homers but um <laughs> Stoffer said who was the guy on the ice for both of Edmonton's OT winners Leon Dreisaitl got the assist mm -hmm. to DeHarnay, got the assist to Connor McDavid. And again, I don't know. You didn't get the assist. Evan, the number one stallion Bouchard got the assist on, on Hyman's OT winner. But man, I jumped off my couch. The fact the Oilers came back, they won in overtime. The Kings, both their overtime wins came on a power play. The Oilers got a power play in overtime off a yes, nasty hit. Yes, they did. <laughs> yeah, off a nasty hit. When they when they got, what, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Tell us. What was the I was thinking some... First off, oh my gosh, a power play in overtime. I think they said, wow, mm -hmm. they called it. Mm -hmm. It was blatant, though. It was dropped to Bouchard, Kempe, right in the numbers. You have to call 10 out of 10. You call that, no matter if it's Elliot Edmonton, it was blatant. You have to call that penalty. Hit from behind, in the numbers, into the board. Bouchard goes down. You can't miss that call. And right there, I'm thinking, there it is. That's game over. That was my thought. That's how this game in on that power play. I I was so nervous. In my head, I'm like, okay, hey, if you don't convert on this, and I know LA had gotten power plays in the prior two overtimes, I'm like, mm -hmm. they're either going to call a ticky-tack call on you to even it up. And we saw that early on. And I went thinking we kind of skipped over that. I just want to touch on real quick before we get back to it. That call to get the Oilers on that second power play where Drysaddle did score to tie the game, that Kevin Fiala trip, which a lot of Kings fans are going to say, oh, it was a phantom trip. And I agree. Was that like... It, it, that's a 50-50 thing. If they don't call it, I, I'm not. It I'm not screaming off. I'm not jumping. Off, oh, you missed a penalty, you idiots! Like I'm not. That's not that type of play. You're you're a little frustrated, oh. but you move on. But they call that, and I, the thing where I think Oilers fans are happy about is that's the type of call that LA had been getting. You know, the last three games they have gotten eight more of those calls on Edmonton. So Edmonton needed one. Edmonton finally got one, and they made it count. So I agree with Kings fans. Yeah, that wasn't not a great thing. Again. Don't put yourself in that situation. Just like we said about every Oilers penalty, don't have exactly. your stick and dry saddle's feet, and they won't fall, they don't fall, and they won't call the penalty. But Fiala did. The Oilers scored, and they end up going on to win the game in overtime. They don't score on the power play. I'm like devastated. I'm like that was the opportunity. You had it. You guys fucking blew it. That was it. You bunch of losers. Fire Hall and trade Dayarne. <laughs> send CC to Guantanamo. Like. 
Get him out of here. I was, I, I was, I was, I was bad. I was mad, man. I was texting you. I was like, I hope Vincent D'Arnais knows Russian. Like, you know what I mean? I was so frustrated. And Zach Hyman out needed when he needed to make his presence known again. The the theme of this game, not only do you have that fight back, that come from behind mentality, but it's the people you needed most step up. Not 97, not 29, obviously they did their part, but Kane and Hyman, those two guys. If you are going to do any damage in the playoffs, they need to do they need to be good for you, right? Absolutely. And what a shot from Hyman to beat Corporate Salad. Goes high, beats him. That's and and sends crypto into dead silence. Like that is the kind of goal. You like seeing Zach Hyman score. You know, he's capable of doing that. And again, right, Zach, you get the scoring from guys outside of McDavid, outside of Dreisaitl. A huge game. Hopefully now in Game 5, you get more of those guys like Hyman and like King stepping up with the series going back to Rogers Place now come Tuesday night. Absolutely. I just want to say we got 110 people watching. We only got 57 likes. So one more time, our like goal is 154. So when Avery and myself check back tomorrow, Go hit that like button um, because, yeah, we obviously really appreciate it. We hope this is a much longer ride. I hope it doesn't end. Again, I want to just let – I want to talk about the Kings for a little bit here and then we can kind of move yes. on uh, to talk about uh, what's coming up in the rest of the series. One guy on the LA Kings who in the regular season when we are playing the Kings, like I knew he was always there. I was aware of his presence. He was always around, but he never really like – there's players when they're on the ice that you fear that they're going to hurt you. And this series, Quinton Byfield, to me, as an Oilers fan, is one guy who I just feel is like, elevated his game. He's taken that next step, I feel like, and he's someone who I feel like every time he's on the ice, he is there. there's a chance that his presence will hurt yours. He's been outstanding, uh, my, at least my thoughts. Is there anyone in the Kings who you just want to highlight that's been really good? No, I think, you know, Quinton Byfield, I've been a fan of his uh, since junior hockey. I've been a big fan of his story in his game, but I agree. Quentin Byfield is the kind of guy, like, this could be potentially his breakout series mm-hmm. to show what he's done. I know he did a lot of work in, in the AHL for Ontario, for the Ontario Reign. But seeing him now step up and have a great series, it's fun to watch. And again, Adrian Kempe. We saw Adrian Kempe, and we knew he could do last year in 2022. Dangerous. And again, he's been a, a throw on the side of Edmonton, mm-hmm. chipping in timely goals once again. So Kempe has been a big factor again. Like, I knew he would be again. I knew yes. he would be again in this series come 2023. He, he reminds me of like Kyle Connor when we played the Jets. It just <laughs> seems like they're always sniping it on the Oilers. Like Kempe has been right? so dangerous. And the Oilers have been lucky to hold him in check uh, over those, like at least tonight. Um, yeah, no, just just beyond the Kings, like again, Drew Doughty is a lot better than I uh, anticipated. Corpus has <laughs> been fantastic, but I think the main thing, and I know I highlighted Byfield, but again, I said this earlier in the show, that third line for LA with Fiala, um, Velarde, and Ayafalo is outstanding. And I said before the show that, uh, when at least when I thought the others were running uh, 97 29, uh, uh, the top two centers that the their work was going to get be cut out for Bugstad and McLeod, and that's the thing. I Man, am, have I ever impressed with the play of the Oilers' bottom six? Like, oh, you, you what? What are your thoughts on the bottom six? It is night and day compared to twenty twenty two. It is night and day, Zach. I feel so much more. I feel more comfortable in seeing what again the play of the, the play of Fogel, the play of Bukestad, the play of McLeod. These this is a much more, the play of Derek Ryan. <laughs> this bottom six. Is mm-hmm. so much more competent than the play last year. It is a strong team that finds a way to chip in, be a strong defensive play, be it a goal here and there. Like this is a, this is a proper bottom six for a deep playoff run. 
Mm -hmm. Absolutely, dude. Bogle, the way he's skating right now, I've never seen him skate like this. His edge work in the offensive zone, something you've seen where he's be able to kind of pivot mm. between sticks. Uh, but it, it, during the Stars and uh, Wild game, they highlighted the way Kaprizov kind of cut between two players on his edge work. And obviously, Warren Fogle is not one-eighth of Kirill Kaprizov. But I just... I, that made me think of Fogel, and I'm watching him play, and obviously his hands are one of those things where it's like, roll the dice. Will Fogel stick handle through six guys, or will he just make himself lose it and trip over his own feet, right? You never know what you're going to get with Warren Fogel. And the effort he's putting in in the offensive zone, the way they're cycling pucks, and then when they do lose it, the back-checking, like you pointed out, is outstanding mm -hmm. and you, when you yes. just and i know if this happens to a, a few others fans when you just see that seven and you see him skating back you're like wow connor's really on his horse right now but and then you, <laughs> you see the three and you're like what the hell let's go like it's so inspiring to watch those guys you have bukestad coming out winning key draws his length his penalty killing mm -hmm. ability has been a crucial, crucial benefit to the Oilers this playoffs. Uh, Derek Ryan, I've never felt this dangerous when Derek Ryan's this. I've never thought to myself watching those bonds like, man, man, they they should put Fogel with Drysaddle. They should put Ryan with McDavid. Like they are playing phenomenal, and they are tilting the ice when they are on in the Oilers' favor. It's 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 really something to watch because the LA Kings are notorious for being one of the you know teams with the most depth in the nhl like that's where the their bread is made that's where they that's where they butter their bread that's what they do they are deep they're strong defensively and the oilers it hasn't been pretty but we're going back to edmonton tied 2-2 is there any other thoughts on the game itself you had i'll just say like i mentioned like, um, I'll, I'll reiterate again there this was the game that might have just saved your season like i mentioned like i mentioned to the the game two winning goal from Clint Costin, save your season again. The response in in the third period by the Oilers mm -hmm. that again could be the turning point um, for the season here. And again, overtime. Like I just love how they didn't let the fact they didn't let the fact that they didn't they didn't score the power play get them down because that could easily deflate a team. Mm -hmm. And with your overtime, you finally get a power play. Absolutely. And the power play is the this power play is the best in NHL history. Absolutely. NHL history. And you don't score. I couldn't deflate this team. It didn't. They come back stronger again. They get a chance and Hyman scores. Like, that is how elite teams do. Don't get deflated. Don't get too down. And they find a way to get a big win on the road. It was massive. Zach. Massive. And you know what was so massive? And I didn't mention this before, but when you said turning point sticks out in my head, do you know what I'm going to say? Do you know what I'm thinking of right now? The Oilers are losing 4-3 about halfway through uh -huh. the third period. Victor Arvidsson gets a breakaway. And he goes and he makes a move that we've seen go in on Campbell time and time yep. again. It didn't. It, it, during the regular season, it seemed like Jack Campbell, I don't know if he made one breakaway stop. And if he did, it was someone just shot at his chest protector. It was every single time like clockwork you go back in forehand on campbell it was in the net guaranteed and jack campbell when it matters most came up as clutch as you possibly can with a massive breakaway save to prevent the la kings from going up five to three in the third kept the oilers in it and that's where it turned around that's where the shot discrepancy started to fade that's where the oilers started taking it to the kings and then you have kane and then you have hyman absolutely outstanding effort the mental toughness they showed is phenomenal i i, I want to look at the stats but i just like i'm still absolutely buzzing no clue how i'm gonna go to sleep tomorrow evan bouchard <laughs> played 28 minutes tonight of high, he played the most out of any defenseman on the team by over um by almost four minutes oh yeah outstanding hey what a player I'll, that guy is no that was amazing oh and a good point here from francicle frankie in the chat here how um Matt Roy went down in that was at the third period and with that hard to the boards with, with his bare head, 
and the concussions part didn't come out of the game. Like, what are we doing here? Like, uh, that to me was bizarre. Well, it, it, that so that play reminded me a little bit of the Morgan Riley Braden point collision kind of in Tampa. Mm-hmm. It, it looked like a battle that went wrong. If you think it was anything other than you're nuts. That's just like I was mad about the calls. Kings fans who are mad about the calls. Pff, throw them in the dumpster because that's not what happened. Um, essentially. I, I don't know. I tweeted out myself. I, I was perplexed because you could see he was bleeding from his head. And yeah. later on, kind of in that penalty that Kempe took in overtime, like Bouchard was bleeding or something was wrong. Mm-hmm. And they made him go to the bench. Do you know what that was about? I'm still confused. Honestly, I, I really don't know. Like, I, I'm still trying to figure it out myself. I haven't heard anything from Jerry League yet. But those two situations just, I was baffled by both, really, Zach. I, it didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm, absolutely and yeah let's just say one more time we got 112 people watching we got 65 likes our goal is still 154 so you guys want to uh hit that like button i see chestire chat chestire cat squirrel master quite the name you've got there uh in chat does disagree <laughs> with me and she thinks that evander kane did it on purpose i don't uh travis farquan says wasn't a penalty at all nobody was looking for a call there there were definitely Kings fans who were looking for a call there i'm sure every five seconds the arena goes ref you suck ref you suck the <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm not sure what game you're watching, but all right. Uh, Franck's goal. Bouchard had an old cut from last game. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and that started bleeding. I just was confused as to why they made him start on the mm. bench. And that and I and I think that was partially why they couldn't figure out the power play, because they win the – or I don't even know if they won the draw. But Darnell Nurse, obviously, his job was just get to the bench so Bouchard could get on the ice. Right. But then you mess up the breakout twice because you're out of sync, and you have Bouchard getting on and Nurse getting off, and that killed, like, 40 seconds off the power play. So – and they still ended up getting dangerous looks at the end. They just couldn't capitalize, and McDavid missed the net, and I thought that was, I'm like, we're going to look back to that McDavid net missing over time, and that's going to be it, but I am so happy for Zach Hyman. Like, if there's anyone you, if you, there's a difference between people picking, oh, the, you know, the Avery overtime challenge. I pick Kempe and McDavid, <laughs> right? I pick Dreisaitl, and I have followed a score. But if yes. there is one player out of this enti- these entire two rosters that you think deserves a score just because of how good of a guy he is, it's Zach Hyman. Like, man, how jacked were you to see? It was Zach Hyman who scored. I was ecstatic. Oh, my God. I, 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 I can't even talk. I can't even talk. I can't even form words. Unbelievable. Oh, but I, I, well, first of all, in the game over Edmonton group chat, I called Zach Hyman scoring the OT winner. You did. You did. I called Zach Hyman scoring. Yeah. So, I, yeah, when you... When, when he did. scored, no, I was a I was a big fist pump in a chair. He's like, that's a guy who had to figure it out, had to get something going right for him. And a, a goal that even the series up and send things back to Edmonton, how could you not feel good for the guy? Absolutely. And and uh, just to point that to Travis's chat, the refing was actually pretty good for a change. I agree. I agree. There was a penalty. that, And, and this is where I think you could see Zach Hyman's frustration because uh, mm-hmm. it, it, I, it, I can't remember if it was in the late in the second or early in the in the third. Zach Hyman took a very boneheaded slashing call on Mikey Anderson. Yes. It, it, that was the, the that, that lack of discipline you saw earlier in the season kind of coming up. And now they only got one dumb stick infraction and penalty. That was his frustration. I think... Now that he scored this goal, I don't think you're going to see that same frustration level. You you get back to that calmness, right? You're getting back to Edmonton. You're regrouping. Ball's in your court. Now, the pressure's on for you to win at home because if you win at home, we're in essentially an identical similar situation as we were last year. Just the yes. wins in game two or two and three or three and four swapped. So, yeah. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Now, this is the question that I've kind of been avoiding because I know this is going to be a hot topic on Twitter and over the next uh, couple days until I believe Tuesday is the next game. Tuesday, yes. Yeah. So until Tuesday, we're going to be talking about this. Okay. Who 
is your starting goaltender in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Oh, my gosh. You know, I know he played well. I know he helped save them, but the team, Jay, and management still have all the faith in Stuart Skinner. So I'm going to stick with Stuart to start Game 5. I agree with you. I think I cannot credit Campbell more for the way he played. I am so impressed. My level of comfortability has gone up immensely because I think early on you could see how Campbell wasn't comfortable. There were a couple of times where I was shocked that the Kings didn't put the puck in the net. There were some rebounds Campbell let out. He was scrambling, but he did it. He made the saves. <laughs> Going into game five, a full game, man, putting in Campbell, that would be a ballsy move. It could pay off dividends because we've seen Campbell get hot for stretches. We saw it earlier mm-hmm. this year, and we've seen it with the Leafs, and, and it just that's kind of a theme throughout his career. But yeah. it could also bite you, right? Like it's such a fifty. It's a flip of the coin. For me, I think because the coaching staff put that faith in Stuart Skinner down the stretch, you give Stu an opportunity to bounce back. You don't want him sitting on that because he was your starting goalie coming in. You give him that opportunity to bounce back. I think he earned the right. Even though, again, I still don't believe that they were they were uh, all Stu's fault. But um, I think it'll be a very, 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 very interesting thing. Now, I don't, I don't think there's a wrong answer. I think you can justify it either way. I think, um, I think there, like you could go Campbell, and I think, yeah, like you might have some of those fans, like my, myself included, being nervous with that decision. But you would all you have that understanding of why at least, right? It doesn't it, it doesn't seem like it's out of nowhere, and I. I um, I think Jay is a tough decision ahead of him, but man, it what a game changer, hey? Jack, I'm I'm so impressed with him. No, like you know, Jack stepped up when when called when called upon, what, what more could you ask for? He mm-hmm. kept him in this game. He Absolutely. made big saves to preserve this tie. But like we've mentioned with um with Stuart Skinner, I you know what you mentioned Stuart, you know what Stuart the sit on things. One thing I like about Stuart, you know, um talking to him, being around the room, being around him. One thing Stuart does. He doesn't get down himself too much. He's a very much, and for a rookie, he's very much, he has been telling you know what? It's one game, it's behind me now. Focus on the future. Even with losses, he's never gotten down too low after the game, which I like the mentality of him for a rookie. I love the mentality of Stewart. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I want to say, everyone's saying what's up to Salamander17 in chat. Fourth quarter sports has joined us now. Curtis Gleason, I love Jack, but I think you have to go with Stu. That's where I'm leaning. I agree. I think uh, I think it's got to be Stu, but I again I think it is not going to be. Uh, there's no you could go either way, and and mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think the penalties were a lot better. I think Oilers fans gonna be a lot happier. I know they did win the penalty battle, but it was just two to three, right? You weren't you didn't have to spend an entire period killing, uh, killing <laughs> killing penalties like you did <laughs> in games prior. Exactly. So yeah, it's it's gonna be a really interesting one there. I'm so excited for Game Five. It's I cannot wait. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's outstanding. What a game, Avery. Uh, I want to say, as we wrap this up, we've gone for almost 50 minutes. I know everyone here has got to go to sleep. Uh, thank God the game started at seven and not eight tonight. Cause <laughs> man, you just, those eight, those eight o'clock games, they, they can be tough. I mean, they've been tough around the weekdays. I mean, we saw this series started with the 8 p.m. game on a Monday night. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, if the Oilers get another OT winner, you bet I will be wearing whoever's jersey. Yeah, whoever scores, I will wear their jersey. I do not care. I will be. You'll check, catch me at Jersey City buying another, uh, buying a Nick Bukes dad jersey. You know, between the broadcast and the game. So, uh, 
yeah, I want to say, um, you know, any last thoughts from yourself here before we wrap it up? Or I, I will just say now with this series, going back to Edmonton, the momentum on your side now, I think game five, you have to have it again, another of a, of a strong start. And it is so important for this team now to get the first goal at home. That's going to be a big key. Be on LA. Don't sit back. We saw again these games in LA. You can't sit back too much. Mm-hmm. Take the game to the Kings. Push on Corpusalo. Push get that first goal. Stay aggressive out of the gates. I feel for Game Five. You have to. Absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. You see, we've seen it multiple times in the series when the Oilers are pushing. The Kings do not have an answer. As good as they are defensively, the Oilers have just you know all time skill. There's nothing you could do. There's no matchup you can get. I don't care if you have 12 Philip Denos if Drysaddle's playing the way Drysaddle's capable of. The Oilers are going to come out the better team because, frankly, and I know the Kings are great. This could be this is easily a Western Conference Finals matchup. Like both these teams are outstanding. Totally. Both these teams are outstanding. But guys like Drysaddle and McDavid, they just don't have the skill to match up in the Los Angeles Kings. But Anyways, guys, I want to appreciate, obviously, Robert and Dennis, you know, all the way from Japan joining the chat. So it's what's up. It's good to talk to you, even though it's just for a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I will be back. I, I I believe Kaya May from Game Over Vancouver will be joining me. Andrew Berkshire from Game Over Montreal uh, will be joining me. So that'll be phenomenal. Let's hope. Let's hope and pray and sacrifice as many goats as you need that when we get back here on Tuesday... The Edmonton Oilers will be up 3-2, to two, headed back to L.A. to cut the throats and sacrifice the Kings in Game 6. Let's go. Uh, what a great chat. Hit that like button. Thanks for watching. That'll be all from us. Have a good night and play La Bamba, baby. Play La Bamba, baby. Peace.